Daniel chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in the bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last Daniel came in before me, he who is named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head, as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and it scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, amid the tender grass of the field. Let, it be, let him be wet with dew of the heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, on the end that the living may know that the most holy that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I King Nebuchadnezzar saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me of the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because this king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, and the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be the, with the beasts of the field. 
You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that the heaven that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the, pre- to the oppressed, that there may be, perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a, loyal residence, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among, among men, and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures for generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does, no- and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right in his ways, are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to make humble." You can be seated. I'm going to ask the children real quickly to come down, and we're going to go to Children's Church. They're like, I didn't know we were ever going to get to go to Children's Church today. Y'all did great. Stay there in your Bibles. Cindy, whatever y'all do down there, y'all do it quickly, okay? Daniel chapter 4. See ya. Daniel chapter 4. This is going to be part 1. We'll finish this in two weeks. Uh, Next week, Andy Lawrence, he's going to be here. He's going to uh, speak at Wildlife Supper, and he'll preach for us next Sunday morning. So we'll pick up here where we don't finish. We'll finish in a couple weeks. But a couple weeks ago, Chris McWilliams taught Acts chapter 22 about Saul becoming Paul and an unlikely story of an unlikely convert. Saul, who was a a Pharisee, persecuted the church, but he became a a tool in God's hand, building up the church, starting churches, writing many books in the New Testament. Today's text we read a we're gonna we just read a testimony of an unlikely person as well, an unlikely convert. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. If you remember King Nebuchadnezzar is a self absorbed dictator. He was used by God to judge Judah. There were three three parts of the exile because of Judah's sin, their idolatry and rebellion 
against God, he allowed the, the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar to exile uh, the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of the first wave of that. And he was the most powerful man in the world at that time. And he lived like it. In chapter 1, he took the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem and brought them back to the house of his gods. This was a symbolic act as he was declaring that his gods were more powerful than the God of the Hebrews. In chapter 2, he's suffering insomnia because of the dream God gave him. The dream was interpreted by Daniel and the king learned that his kingdom, like all the other kingdoms of the world, will pass away. Kingdoms come and go, but the kingdom of God will last forever as we saw this large, unhewn stone strike the image that represented all the kingdoms of the world and it smashed it to smithereens. And although at first it appears that he accepted that, that dream, the interpretation of the dream, it seems he eventually snubs his nose at God by building this statue 90 feet tall. It was not made of different materials. It was made of one material, gold, which represented King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. And so what he's doing, he's making a statement. He's saying, no, his kingdom will last. And he would reign without no one to rival him. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are brought before the statue and they're told to, to bow before it. And when they, when they reject that and when they disobey King Nebuchadnezzar, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And we learned last week that God delivered them. So Nebuchadnezzar is in awe of God. He's impressed with the Lord. But as we said last week, he's yet to yield to him in faith. Look at chapter 3, verse 28. King Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What we see over and over again is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they keep getting promoted. They keep being obedient. Through them, God is glorified, and they get promoted. Now look at chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Even though he's impressed with God, he's in awe of God in a lot of ways, but he's yet to yield to him. He's yet to repent. But we come to chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, and we see something strange. We see King Nebuchadnezzar speaking highly of the Most High God. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Now think about that in chapter 2. He had the dream. It was interpreted that his kingdom would not last, but God's kingdom would last forever. Chapter 3, we see him rebelling against that by building this huge statue made of gold. But yet here, we see him confessing that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his, his dominion endures from generation to generation. In other words, you demand, you're the king. And your kingdom is going to last forever. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said. So what has happened here with King Nebuchadnezzar? 
this self-absorbed dictator has had his heart changed. So what he does, he tells his story. Just like Anita, she shared her story in our small group this morning. Verse 4, he begins to tell a story. Everything was going well. He's living at peace. And of course, they're, it's peaceful because he's annihilated every opponent. Right? He's the world superpower. And his kingdom is prospering. This man is enjoying a good life. He had, he had become the world leader. He even had a son who's going to be heir to the throne. It was a, a good time, and, but yet he's disturbed by a dream. What does he do? He, he calls his wise men in. We see this time and time again, right? He calls his wise men in, and they're of no help to tell him about the dream. Finally, he calls in Daniel, and Daniel once again delivers. We're going to look at the dream and the interpretation, then we're going to come back. I'm going to point out one thing. We'll come back in a couple weeks, and we'll look at a couple more. But this is the dream. There was an enormous tree in the middle of the land. It was so big, it could be seen throughout the, old, the, throughout the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant. Every creature on the earth was fed and protected by this tree. And then a messenger, verse 13, a, a a watcher, a holy one, gives the order to cut the tree down. But they're to leave the stump. It was left and exposed to the wind and the rain. And then verse 15, there's a transition here where they're talking about this stump and they begin to talk about a man. The man's mind will be changed from that of a man to an animal, to a beast. He will suffer a type of insanity for seven years. And notice the purpose of that in verse 17. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living, to the end is for the purpose of, the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. So what's the purpose in all of this taking place? What's the purpose of this tree being cut down and this man being put out to pasture. It's so that the world would know that God of heaven is in charge, that he's sovereign over all things. Hey, God's in charge. The God of heaven is sovereign over all things. He gives life and he takes it away. He sets up rulers and he cuts them down. Verse 18, King Nebuchadnezzar says, this is a dream. Now, okay, Daniel, tell me what it means. And so in verse 20 through 27, Daniel interprets it for the king. He says, the tree, King Nebuchadnezzar, is you. Your, your rule and your fame, you've reached to the ends of the earth. But the God, the high king of heaven, has ordered that you be humbled. You're going to be humbled and you're going to live like an animal for seven years, during which you'll be exposed to the elements. I was asked, uh, we, have a, we have a horse, we have a mule. Someone says, well, it got real cold, you know, this winter. And they said, well, what do you do with your horse and your mule? I was like, what do you mean? They said, well, what do you do? It's cold. I was like, I don't do anything. Uh, I feed it and I give it water, but I don't do anything. It was left in the elements. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. But the stump is left because when the king acknowledges that, that he's no longer, he's, he's not acknowledging that he's sovereign, but that God is sovereign, what's going to happen is his 
kingdom and his reign is going to be returned to him. So that's a dream and that's the interpretation. So I want to point out something. And today, just one thing is that God uses a godly servant. Daniel is a godly servant. And as we, we study through this book, we see he's so winsome, isn't he? He's so winsome and he's so loving, he's so gracious, and he's so wise. Notice it says in verse 8, in verse 9, in verse 18, three times it says, In whom is the spirit of the holy gods? Nebuchadnezzar recognized that Daniel knew God. He's not like all the other wise men. He's different. He had a relationship with God. He was intimate with God. He trusted the God of heaven. What do your co-workers say about you? He sure takes a lot of breaks. He sure does complain a lot. What do your coworkers say? Do they say that about you? Man, he's different. He works hard. He gets his job done. I like work with him. He does more than his share of the work. Daniel, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. He's also, I think, kind. Look at verse 19. It's an uh, interesting relationship there. Daniel is telling the, the, the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, who is this evil, wicked tyrant. But notice, Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. See, Nebuchadnezzar is dismayed because he doesn't know the interpretation of the dream. What's this mean? Daniel's dismayed. He's disheartened. He's afraid because he does know what the dream means. Notice what it says. His thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Now who would you think would be the, the enemies of the Israelites? Those who had come from Judah. You'd think it would be the Babylonians. But what is... What does Daniel say? May this, what God is saying is going to happen, may that happen to your enemies. It's interesting. He had this kind of an interesting relationship with his king. Through Daniel's faithfulness to the Lord, what is, what is God doing? Revealing himself, right, to King Nebuchadnezzar. But they have this special relationship. There's an affection there, isn't it, on Daniel's part. He, he has an affection for the king. He cares for the king. He doesn't wish ill will on the king. He's kind to the king. He didn't want to share this terrible news. So King Nebuchadnezzar consoles Daniel. Yeah, I'd say he's even compassionate towards this king. He's also loving. How do we know that? Well, verse 27, he shares this truth. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. What's that mean? What's he telling me to do? What, Hunter? 
Yeah, repent. King, you need to repent. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. You need to repent, King. That's a very loving thing to do, isn't it? We see this elsewhere. Nathan, you remember Nathan the prophet? When King David was on the throne, things were going real well. He's on the rooftop. Lord, help us. Stay away from rooftops. Bad things start from rooftops, right? David's on the rooftop, and what does he do? He sees Bathsheba, and through a series of events, he ends up taking Uriah's wife and puts Uriah in the front lines where he's killed and get him out of the way, right? Do you remember what Nathan told David? He told him a story about the little lamb. There was a man who had one lamb, and he loved it, and he fed it from this table and cared for it. But there was an, another man who had a lot of lambs, and he didn't want to use one of his lambs, so he took the one lamb from the poor man. Remember David getting so mad? 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. Then David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And what did Nathan say? You remember? You are the man. You are the man. What did Nathan do? He pointed out his sin and that's what Daniel is doing here for Nebuchadnezzar. He is a, a godly servant being used in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And what's he doing here as we, we kind of wrap this thing up? He's given Nebuchadnezzar some counsel. He wasn't a pastor. He's not part of the clergy. But he loved the Lord. He knew the law. And he had concern for Nebuchadnezzar. And so what does he do? He counsels them, tells them truth, calls them to repentance, but he does it in a very winsome way. Just by way of application, what about us? How are we handling ourselves among our co-workers, among the lost, among the unchurched? Are we handling ourselves like Daniel? Are we winsome? Are we kind? Are we compassionate? Are we sharing truth with those who need to hear it? Oh, Daniel was a counselor, wasn't he? He was a biblical counselor trying to help Nebuchadnezzar out. What about us? How are we handling ourselves? Pray the Lord would use us among our co-workers, among our classmates, among our colleagues to be winsome and to be loving and to be compassionate and to be truth bearers and truth shares. May the Lord use us this week to be salt and light. You may be here maybe you don't know the Lord. You're here providentially. There's no accidents. We, don't, we can't see God's providence in action. We only see it in hindsight, but God has providentially brought it to you here, and we're glad you're here. Maybe instead of like Daniel, maybe you're more like Nebuchadnezzar and you're real self-absorbed. You think a whole lot about you. Most of the people on this planet do. All of us did at one time, right? 
By God's grace, many of us have been saved, but we still struggle, right, with our old sinful habits. Maybe you're here and you've never yielded to the Lord. You know, we're all sinful. We have a, a sin problem. We're separated from the Lord, but God, by sending Jesus to come and live for us and die for us, has given us a way to know Him. We've, we've been separated from the Lord because of our sin, but through Christ we can be reconciled to this holy, righteous, heavenly Father. If you've never repented and trusted Christ and the work He's done on the cross as your own, I want to encourage you to do that today. I'd love to talk to you about that after service. We're glad you, you came. As you saw these four brothers and sisters, they joined us here. If you have a question about our church, we'd love to answer those questions too. We're a, we're a work in progress, but I'm thankful to be a part of this church. May God use us this week to be salt and light, to be winsome, to share truth, to be compassionate to those who need it.